0: Good morning, and welcome to the Atlanta Small Business Show with entrepreneurs Jim and Bridget Fitzpatrick. On today's show, reality star and philanthropist Tanya Sam, the Atlanta Small Business Profile with Ted Jenkins and guest Derek Griffin, CEO of SpearTech. Relationship expert Shasta Nelson, Jeff Hillemeyer, author of the best selling book, The Crisis Turnaround, and president of Motivations Works, Inc., Dan Thurman.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this week's episode of the Atlanta Small Business Show.
2: Before we get started, I want to remind you of the great information we have to help you rebound after a crisis. At myasbn.com, you can find more interviews and articles to help you run your business during these times and beyond.
1: That's right. So be sure to check it out after the show. We've got a great lineup of guests for you today, so let's get started. Our first guest is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, director of partnerships at TechSquare Labs, founder of the Ambition Fund, and a reality TV star. If that's not enough, she also co-founded Built by Women, a business accelerator for female entrepreneurs. Jim talks to Tanya Sam today and starts off by asking her a little bit about her entrepreneurial journey. Here's what she had to say.
2: Tanya,
3: thank you so much for joining us here on the Atlanta Small Business Show.
1: Thanks, Jim.
3: Pleasure to be here in my house and speaking to you. That's right, that's right. We're all we're all hunkered
2: down, right, as we yeah. navigate through this COVID, which we want to talk to you about as well. But I don't even know where to start this interview. You are such a dynamic person that I want to know all about all of these different things. But let's start in the beginning for those people that May not be as familiar with you uh, as we are here at the show, which I can't believe anybody in Atlanta wouldn't be familiar with you because you're Mm -hmm. an incredible person. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background, your entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey.
3: Oh my gosh, such high praise. Well, that's the nice thing about being in Atlanta. We're sort of that big pond, small fish, like everyone tends to know each other. And I think that's the beauty of being in Atlanta. We're very supportive of our entrepreneurs. So it becomes very, very much a small town, big city. Um, but yeah, I've been in Atlanta for about nine years. Um, my background actually was an oncology nurse. I worked in bone marrow transplant and when I first moved to Atlanta, I was at just around the corner from me at Northside Hospital working in their um, oncology unit there as an RN. And at the time, um, I was just sort of starting to wet my feet and get into entrepreneurship. I decided I wanted to start my own business while moonlighting as a nurse. And I started a um, small beverage company called Limitless Smart Shot. And the idea behind that was, You know, I was going to work with all these really smart doctors and nurses, and we worked these crazy long shifts. And I was like, why don't we have some sort of energy drink for our brains? Because that was really our tool um, to help increase our focus, attention, and memory that wasn't your cup of coffee. So I launched that company and we sold direct to consumers and, and in local stores in and around Atlanta. And it was just Exactly that. How can I increase my focus, attention, and be smarter. So that was really my first foray personally into entrepreneurship. And concurrent to that, um, my fiance, uh, Dr. Paul Judge, Georgia Tech grad, PhD, he's a cybersecurity expert, was starting his third um, tech company. Wow. It's called Pindrop Security, and he co-founded that with another Georgia Tech uh, PhD, B.J. Ballast, Romanian. And so, you know, we spend all our time together. Um, you know, we work together. And I just, you know, was sitting alongside watching them build this company and learn everything I possibly could from, you know, two guys in a laptop. And he'd be like, can you do this? Can you make this spreadsheet? And can you help us run a marketing booth and operations? And I was like, no, I'm a nurse. I don't know what you're doing. But- You know, really took the opportunity to seize the day and learn as much as I could. And fast forward, um, you know, that company has 250 employees right in the heart of Georgia Tech at the Biltmore. They um, are an anti-fraud company for large volume banks and financial institutions. And it was like a real life MBA towards business. And now I spend time. Um, as the Director of Operations and Partnerships at TechSquare Labs, where we help early stage entrepreneurs do exactly that. How do you, you know, build something from nothing, you know, write stuff on a whiteboard and go out there and fundraise and raise capital and create jobs here in Atlanta and the Southeast. Okay, so is 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 that like an accelerator program? Yeah. So we started Textware Labs about 2014 with, you know, just another wacky idea of let's buy an old sort of uh, decrepit office depot building right in the heart of Georgia tech. And we said, what if we create this space where early stage entrepreneurs can come and learn how to build businesses. Sure. And this was right on the cusp of when you started seeing all the WeWorks popping up. It was probably a year before. So there wasn't a lot of space for these early stage entrepreneurs, you know, Atlanta, We've been building quietly, building tech companies for a very long time. No doubt about that. You know, you see it in MailChimp and all these other companies. But around that time, there wasn't a lot for the early entrepreneur, and so that's what we wanted to do: help others become successful. Now, you're also,
2: I should mention, you know, a a star on TV with uh, Housewives. So, talk to us about that franchise and your involvement in that, and uh, and the role that that plays
3: in your life. I mean. I probably would never have guessed, um, having moved to Atlanta and, you know, occasionally watched that show that I would ever appear on the show, but here I am, it's my second season. And, you know, the opportunity just sort of presented it to myself and initially I was like, oh no, I can't imagine being on TV. As outgoing as I am, I, I'm I'm a little bit camera shy. Um, yeah. I've gotten better at that these days, but uh, yeah, I you know, I sort of sat back and, looked at the opportunity as being like, well, why not? And one of the things that I thought was really exciting was be able to be on this show that had such an incredible national presence and talk about things like technology, um, you know, being a Black woman in tech um, and that dialogue across the country is so um, important now. And so I was like, you know, this is a way to sort of showcase representation of myself, someone who switched careers and now entered into a different... um, um, sector and, am you know, working towards success.
2: To see the rest of that discussion with Tanya, you can find it at myASBN.com. Next, we welcome CEO and co-founder of Atlanta-based Dragon Army and author of newly released book, The Crisis Turnaround, Lead Through Crisis and Position Your Company for Strength. Here's Jeff Hillmeyer. How does the, how does this, the premise of this book differ from the five-day turnaround, be the leader you always wanted to be?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think this one dives in very specifically, to If you're going through some sort of crisis as a leader, um, these are things that I think you ought to lean into to help you be more successful and help your team. The five-day turnaround is a little more universal in the sense of um, it's tried and true leadership practices from the most successful entrepreneurs that can be put into place anytime and certainly are more effective during a crisis. But crisis turnaround, I think, look, I hope this book um, does well right now and then never does well again, because that means we're not in any other crisis. Um, but I think if this one's very specific and pointed towards if, if you're going through some sort of turmoil or, or, you know, gigantic problem, this book might help.
2: Yeah. So let's dive down a little bit. The, the, the 43 key points to follow to get your business through any challenge. Talk to us about some of those.
4: Sure. Yeah, I broke the book down into three sort of categories. The first being um, how prepared are you for a crisis, and and sort of what does your business or your team look like going into it. Um, and and the bulk of the book then is on the what I call the messy middle. It's all right. You're in the crisis. How do you behave? How do you react? How do you you know treat your team? What? How do you make the tough decisions? And then the final part of the book is how do you emerge from the crisis? Um, and are you better for it? Um, one of the concepts in the book is is something i had heard before, which is windmills versus walls. So if you're experiencing, you know, huge winds, torrential downpour and so forth, do you erect walls that sort of brace against that, but they're just to stop it? Or do you lean into it and create windmills taking advantage of the situation, right? And I think that the leaders that will emerge from this are going to be ones that come out stronger because they see the opportunities that they they are forced to see that they didn't see before versus saying, all right, we're just going to put in stopgap measures and get through it, but then we're going to get right back to business as usual. This is an opportunity to evolve. Um, so I think that's a big, uh, a big point in the book. Um, you know, honestly, there's so much to just being honest and open with your team, mm-hmm. which I think is difficult for many leaders. Um, it it's definitely yeah. a big part of the five day turnaround, but, during a crisis, people want to hear the truth and people know when you're hiding things from them. And so right. if you have a culture already of having open, honest dialogue that builds trust, transparency, um, that's a really big thing that we've even had to lean deeper into at Dragon Army during this. Um, we're pretty open and transparent, but we're even more so now because our team needs it. Um, and it helps them process and say, all right, I feel like I'm a part of this with you.
2: Yeah, sure. And, and why do you suppose that, why do you suppose leaders and business owners are so guarded on, on on and, and by providing good information and and real information to their employees why why are they so you know standoffish on that?
4: you know I think that there's um a lot of trust um that that is um uh i don't think there's a lot of trust i guess i'll say between leaders and, and their teams i think yeah. they think that oh if, if i share this information with them or if i share what's going on with the company they're going to go tell everybody or they're going to think less of me um but the reality is if you're if you're hiding and, and you're not sharing they're making up their own ideas about what what's yeah. really happening yeah um and so
2: and i think that's part of it what, and that could be worse than what the actual situation is right have,
4: almost always is almost always is, um, and so I think there's there 's also a nat- a natural paranoia that comes with running a company um, or, or building a team you're you 're constantly worried about what 's going to you know affect you and, and, and make um, your business go under, and so you 're naturally on guard and I think so i think it 's a tough thing, but once you start doing it and lean into it um, it's uh, it 's refreshing and you 'll find that your team can actually help you problem solve which is a big thing um, during a crisis is you want everybody armed with as much knowledge as possible to help you get through it
1: to see more of that interview with jeff you can find it online at myasbn.com
3: hey guys it's michelle from scb video tv marketing and this is your tip from a pro There are many different types of videos that you can promote your business, but I'm gonna give you a tip on the top three types of videos that do great on social media and your website. The number one video that's great to promote your business is what you call an overview video. That's gonna state who you are, what services you provide, and where people can find you. The number two video that you can use to promote your business is a client testimony. What better person to speak about your business than someone who has experienced your services before? Client testimonials can do great for any business. And the number three video that you can use to promote your business is definitely product or service videos. Those videos can be broken up and sent to isolated customers that you may be targeting. Thanks so much, and this is your tip from the pro.
1: On today's Small Business Profile with host Ted Jenkins, Ted talks to Derek Griffin, CEO of SpearTech, a B2B platform that delivers e-commerce solutions for websites. Today, Ted and Derek discuss how to generate more traffic and conversion on your business's website. Take a look.
5: Hope you're all staying safe and well today. I'm really excited to bring on our guest, Derek Griffin, who's the CEO of SpearTech. If you ever wondered how B2B, how that business runs for e-commerce and creating web design solutions to create more traffic and more conversion, it's a really, really exciting business. And I know these are challenging times as they all for all business owners. So. We're behind all the small business owners here uh, in Atlanta. So Derek, good morning to you.
6: Thanks, thanks for having me on Ted. Good to talk to you.
5: So I was wondering, you know, just in the beginning because uh, traditionally you were trained as a CPA and uh, you had a CPA designation and then you made this move into e-commerce and web design. What got you to make that shift from going away from being a CPA and getting into this kind of business?
6: So if you can remember way back in late 99, kind of early 2000, there was this big dot-com craze and everybody wanted to have a technology company and take it public and make a lot of money. Um, I had been in public accounting for about seven years, then CFO of a manufacturing company for three years and thought, okay, this, you know, this sounds pretty exciting, pretty interesting, and looks like I could, you know, uh, do well at it. Um, I didn't jump into technology or e-commerce by myself. I, uh, we actually started the company with a couple of other people who came from a technology background. And I was the more business-minded uh, uh, owner or founder um, of the company. And that actually has helped tremendously because I do understand what small businesses and their financial and accounting needs are because right. I lived in that world for 10 years.
5: It's nice to know the numbers. So where did the exact idea come yeah. up for for SpearTech and, and what do you guys do as a business?
6: Um, the uh, the original idea of building websites that were uh, easy for people to manage actually probably came uh, about from discussions out on mountain bike trails. Me and a buddy uh, would go out and ride and he was a technology guy and I was a business guy and we kind of saw an opportunity to, to make things uh, easy for small businesses. Um, as we After we started the company, the, the need for not just content management, but really e-commerce um, became very evident. So that's kind of uh, the direction we headed. And then within a few years, the business-to-business or wholesale market um, was really underserved and still is. Uh, so we've, we've stayed kind of uh, in that lane, if you will.
5: Well, we know that in business in general, eTail. Was in in some sense replacing a bunch of retail, and you see companies out there uh, publicly traded like Shopify that have done really well that build these you know turnkey e-commerce sites for retail companies. Uh, how do you guys do it when you integrate it for a business because you're really in the B2B business more than the B2C business? How do you build an e-commerce site and build conversion funnels that will help a business do more business with other businesses?
6: Exactly. Um, so uh, Shopify is a great company, and if somebody comes to us and they are purely uh, a retail play, we actually tell them, just just go to Shopify. It's a, it's a, it's a better fit. But at the same time, we've actually taken um, a decent number of customers from Shopify this year because they went with Shopify because that's what they were aware of. but they realized Shopify' is really geared towards um, a, a retail business. Um, We have our platform set up for wholesale or for uh, selling through distribution. The business rules and the transactions are more complex. You have different prices for different customers. You have uh, minimum quantities or selling in case quantity. You may have an integration to a sophisticated ERP accounting order management system. Those are all the things that we're really good at, and our platform has the functionality to handle those business rules and help a wholesale business sell online the same way they do
2: with a sales rep, at a trade show, or over the phone. To hear more from that interview with Ted and Derek, head over to myASBN.com. Next, we are joined by Shasta Nelson, a leading expert on friendship and healthy professional relationships. Shasta is also an acclaimed keynote speaker and author of Friendtimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness. Why are work relationships so important?
7: Well, we see the loneliness numbers rising for all of us, and we've so often treated friendships like it's a personal life issue that has to compete with like the kids and the homework and the chores and the working out and all that kind of stuff. But when we look at the people who are not lonely, when we're looking at the The people who are actually feeling fulfilled, 99% of them say that they have healthy, meaningful work relationships. So it's almost impossible to feel like we're getting enough of our social needs met if we're not getting them met where we spend most of our time and where we're making our biggest contributions. Like that part of our life matters so much. So to be able to, to enjoy the people we work with and feel safe and feel connected there matters a tremendous amount to our job and to our entire lives.
2: Yeah. So, um, how much does it, uh, does a happy work environment contribute to pro t- uh, productivity of that employee?
7: Yeah. Gallup has been studying the question, do you have a best friend at work for almost two decades now? And they're showing that the people who say, yes, I have a best friend at work end up being seven times more engaged, which if you just stop and wow. think about it, if we were just twice engaged, that would be impressive. Yeah. But seven times more engaged, which means we call in sick less. We are, have fewer work accidents. We feel safer brainstorming. We feel safer saying, I don't know the answer to this. We sure. feel want to cover for each other. And we feel more loyal. We are less likely to leave that company, less likely to leave that team. So when you really look at how it translates down into actual finances and the success of a mission or a product it's huge
2: and and also the the role that that plays in customer uh, the customer experience right
7: completely I'm always saying if a a company would train for us to have healthier relationships with each other then that translates to us having healthier better customer service skills better relationships with our vendors better relationships you know with our audience virtually on social media it's the exact same skills
2: should the boss be friends with employees
7: so my answer on this is a yes. And then it's always like a and it obviously in every situation there's a difference the question becomes how much of a friendship and what does sure. that look like right? Sure. But the absolute answer is we need all of us. We all function best when we feel connected and supported and we want our leaders feeling that more than anybody. It's our leaders who are making our decisions, who are kind of leading us forward and we do not want our leaders lonely. I mean that's right. such a such a, we always talk about it, it's lonely at the top. And I think, really, are we okay with that? Like, do we really want the loneliest people who, I mean, when you look at what, what translates when we feel lonely, we feel more insecure, we feel more defensive, we are, can be a little bit meaner. So when you think, do we really want our leaders feeling that? I'm just like- <laughs> That's I, a good we point. Not. We want our leaders more connected and supported than anybody else. The bigger question then becomes, let's have healthier conversations about what healthy expectations look like in those friendships.
2: How do you set boundaries?
7: Mm, such an important question. I would say the most important thing we can do is actually do uh friendship slowly and more intentionally at work. So that's better to move forward incrementally. Uh, when we think about like vulnerability in the workplace, when we think about bonding with somebody and sharing information, we're always better off kind of doing it more slowly and thoughtfully than we are going too far and then having to set boundaries and come back. So ideally being thoughtful going forward, which can be hard to do because we are Most of us are lonely. I mean, 60% of us are saying that we're lonely. And so when we find somebody who's kind and nice and we see each other every day at work, it's the closest thing we have to like when we were kids and we went to school. It's like, we feel closer to people we work with because we see them all the time. It's easy to latch on and be like, my new best friend. (laughs) And it's (laughs) just be thoughtful that you want to do it slowly. And then yeah, setting boundaries. I mean, I, I, I'm, w- my next book is on workplace relationships and I spend a ton of time in there basically talking about the responsibility we have for having more thoughtful conversations with each other. The closer we are to each other, the more we should be having hard conversations with each other. And that yeah. includes like, what do we need to do in this situation if this were to happen? If I needed to uh, reprimand you as your boss, how would you want me to do that? Like, The more we can have those conversations, before we need them, it's always better.
1: (laughs) To see that full interview with Shasta, check it out at myasbn.com. If you have a great story to share with over 100,000 small business owners and entrepreneurs within the metro Atlanta area, we would like to hear from you. Just give us a call and learn how you can be featured on an upcoming episode of the Atlanta Small Business Show. Call us at 770-954-8609 or email us at info at myasbn.com. Up next, Jim talks with Dan Thurman, renowned speaker, entrepreneur, acrobat, and author of Off Balance On Purpose. Embrace uncertainty and create a life you love. Dan and Jim talk about how some leaders struggle with leading through change and how to shatter self-imposed limitations. Check it out.
2: So your performance on stage uh, and your presentation is like no other. I mean, it's not your typical speaker presentation. Talk to us about the importance of wowing an audience and getting their attention the way that you do.
0: Well, I believe, Jim, that we can understand what we hear and we retain more of what we see illustrated. But when we have a profound experience, that's really when we have the opportunity to learn and to change.
2: You teach leaders how to shatter self-imposed limitations. Tell us about that
0: shattering self, it really comes down to your thinking, right? And so uh, what you have to do is to say, what is my basis for what I believe is possible uh, and and, and how do I approach that? And so uh, we tell ourselves these stories over and over again about what is working, what isn't working, what is uh, working against me? Is it victimhood or is it ownership and opportunity? You really have to start by owning your own reality and saying, you know, like, again, even maybe I haven't asked for these circumstances. I didn't know they were exactly coming this way. But I'm going to own it and take responsibility. And then I'm going to be the one to decide like, what is really important. In other words, seek that sense of purpose. And then initiate the action to go for it, to lean in and create something incredible. Um, and so what I'm saying is the limit, limitations, the self-imposed limitations is really any time you separate yourself from the possibilities in front of you. If you believe that you're working in an environment of scarcity or lack, and that there's only so much of opportunity that's out there, I believe that there's incredible opportunity. There's so much more abundance uh, in resources and right answers than, than ever before, even during these times. And so the way you get there is by requiring more of yourself, by like doubling down on who you are not operating from this premise of lack, but operating from a premise of personal abundance and unlimited opportunities.
2: In terms of the, the lessons learned from all of this, I mean, it's something that none of us have gone through before. We've been through the downturn and the great recession back in 2008, 2009, and we were you know, stunned with 9-11, obviously, that put a shock into the system, but we haven't ever seen anything like this pandemic. What are some of the lessons learned uh, for leaders and managers out there as we as we go through this.
0: Well, one of the biggest lessons is vulnerability. I mean, I think it's it's obvious uh, the foundations that we thought were really important have, uh, or, or that were secure have revealed themselves to be not quite so secure. You know what, Jim? I think I could illustrate this for you better uh, if I step into my action space. Is that cool?
2: That's fu- that's totally cool.
0: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just walk over here uh, and, and basically, you know, you see these at a lot of our meetings, right? We get a lectern that's on stage in front, of the, in front of the room, and it looks so steady, it looks so solid and completely stable until you hit it with some energy, until you hit it with some force, and then you realize it's not. I mean, these things are constantly under pressure and moving, right? right. And the same is true with our lives. The foundations where we find ourselves, the, 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 the certainty of our economy, or our business, or our plan, or even our life, our health, the ones we know and love in our life. And so the question is, how do you position yourself on top of that uncertainty? Watch closely. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> All right, now Jim, if you're watching, I'm, you watching. I'm watching. I'm not balanced, I'm balancing. Ah. I'm making constant adjustments, and I'm working really hard. And after all this effort, right, after all this work, <laughs> I'm still right here. Like I haven't gone anywhere.
2: <laughs> okay, this is a first on my show. So, <laughs> I love it. It's great.
0: So if, for those of you listening on the podcast, what I just did is I just threw myself into a handstand on top of a very precarious lectern on stage to illustrate this idea that, you know. Some people try to protect what they have in the midst of uncertainty. It gets exhausting, and in the end, you really haven't gone anywhere, right? right. You have just less of what you used to have. But what other people like this, like, like us who are listening and learning and availing ourselves of this incredible network and resources can say out of this uncertainty can be a huge opportunity if you can look for it, if you can look up and see it, and then if you can lean in, and take that action to go off balance on purpose. Make sense?
2: It makes total sense, makes total sense. Dan Thurman, right. the book is Off Balance On Purpose, Embrace Uncertainty and Create a Life You Love. Man, I wanna thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, this has been fantastic and uh, we'd love to have you back as we as we are challenged with this current situation that we're in. We need more messages like the one you just delivered. So. I want to thank you so much. And for those of you uh, that are watching, uh, Run, Don't Walk to get his book. We'll make it available here on our homepage. And uh, Dan, can't say enough. Thank you so much for joining us. To hear this interview in its entirety and learn more about how you can help your business during a crisis, go to myasbn.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our e-newsletter so you don't miss out on even more access to interviews like these and so much more.
1: And do you have a story about your business that you'd like to share with us here at the Atlanta Small Business Network? We would love to hear from you. You can reach us at myasbn.com.
2: That's all we have time for today. We'll see you right back here next Saturday and Sunday morning on Petri TV and CBS 46 for another episode of the Atlanta Small Business Show.
1: And remember, you can watch any of our past shows on demand at myasbn.com.
2: Thanks for watching, everyone. See you next week.
1: This has been a JBF Business Media production.